Hey, welcome to New River Church's podcast. We're really glad you decided to join us today, and we hope that today's message encourages you and lifts you up. If you're looking for some more information about New River Church, just check us out at newriverchurch.org. Here. My parents moved us here from Punxsutawney, Pennsylvania. Praise God. And we came here to Connecticut um, where I got to grow up and be a part of, of planting this church. I can say I was a church planter at the age of five. That's pretty cool. So we were here and meeting in different schools. Um, well, community center, then a school. We were a mobile church. And when I went off to college, we were still a mobile church, setting up, tearing down every single Sunday. And that's actually what I do right now in Miami, Florida. Our church, Boo Church, is still mobile church. We meet in two different schools. And so all of it was just preparation, right? Everything that we go through, all of our experiences, I believe that they build upon themselves and that God uses them for something in the future. And so it's just an honor to get to be here, to get to speak here, I know that he said it, that they believed that I was meant for full-time ministry from the time I was little, but I didn't believe that. I actually went into college. I did go to Bible college, but to study nursing, and I've been a nurse for six years. I most recently worked in the pediatric ICU and loved it. I, I do have a heart for nursing and for children, and I thought that I would use it in missions overseas, but I never thought that I would be preaching. So um, this right here is a miracle in motion, but I'm really excited to share with you just some of the things that God's put on my heart. My dad asked me, I said, what topic should I be preaching on? This is the last Sunday of 2019. And he said, just preach from your experience. And I thought that was kind of funny because I'm 27 years old. I've grown up in a Christian home. A lot of people would think that I have a boring testimony or I thought that I had a boring testimony because it's not like I had this encounter that changed my entire life. I, I actually met God at a young age which I'm really grateful for. I was baptized when I was 12. Um, definitely have made a ton of mistakes along the way, but I can say that I've known Jesus and I've always come back to him time and time again throughout my life. But it's not until recently that I actually understood the power of my testimony and the power of my story and where it fit in with God's story. And so that's kind of what I'm gonna share with you guys, and I hope that it encourages somebody else in here today too. But can you just pray with me? Let's pray and invite the Holy Spirit to come in and to do all the speaking. Lord God, we thank you so much. I thank you for this church, for this community. I thank you for the impact that it's had on my life, God, and for the impact that it's having right here in the city, in the state. We believe that you've placed every single person here for such a time as this, that you're writing our stories, that our stories are connected God, and we believe for something special to happen starting today, but to continue into 2020. And so we just love you. We're expectant. We're grateful to be a part of your plan. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. So I've been um, teaching kids for a while because I've been in the children's ministry. So with kids, I'm always asking for interaction. So you guys can talk back. I might ask questions. That's just, that's just how I know how to speak. But has anybody in here ever done something before that instantly made you feel nauseous? Anybody? I just recently had an experience like this, and uh, my sister over here is witness to it. But I, a couple months back... My sister was visiting. I said we we're part of a mobile church, and so we have to set up and tear down every single Sunday. And at the end of the night, at about 11 o'clock at night, we take turns on staff bringing some of the equipment back to our headquarters. That's our, our office space for storage. So 
We're in the middle of Miami, not the safest city in the world. Our office space is not in the safest neighborhood, but I parked right in front of the office. It was well lit. There were other people around. My sister was there visiting, Zyber, who you guys will meet before the end of the day. He's my foster son, but he was with me as well. And so we were loading stuff in, and within about five minutes, I didn't realize that nobody was outside watching our cars. Somebody broke the car window, took my bag, my sister's bag, it had our wallets, it had my laptop in it, and let's just say it was not a fun experience. I felt like I was christened from the first time being in Miami, from my first break-in, because that's just what's known, what Miami is known for, unfortunately. So um, that happened in, I guess, October, and took me a couple weeks. I saved up, bought a brand new laptop, because I needed it for work. There was no way I could get anything done without it, and... I was really taking good care of this thing. I'm like, man, this is my new laptop, my work laptop, taking it with me everywhere, but, but really keeping a close eye on it. Well, I was on the phone with somebody. It was an important phone call, and I was drinking coffee, and I was typing on my laptop, and I turned, and my elbow happened to hit my coffee cup spilling all over the front of my brand new laptop. Just a couple days before that, I'm not even kidding, one of my friends asked me, did you get Apple Care on your laptop? And I was like, what's Apple Care? She's like, oh, it's like this warranty. It's really great for, for your laptop. I said, well, how much does it cost? She said, about $200. I'm like, no, I'm very responsible. I don't need Apple Care. It's okay. And then just two days later, I had spilled coffee all over my laptop. I was on the phone, so I couldn't react the way that I was feeling inside. I was trying to keep my composure, but I was freaking out on the inside. I brought my laptop into the Apple Care or to the Apple store, and they told me that the motherboard was fried. And it was a $1,300 repair. They said if you had Apple Care, it would have been about a $500 repair. I was like, oh my goodness, I knew. I, I should have listened to my friend and just gotten the Apple Care right then and there. But from that, I learned a very valuable lesson, right? I actually had another friend who just got a laptop for Christmas, and I was the first one to tell her she needed to get Apple Care on her laptop because I had just experienced something that I didn't want anybody else to experience. And so from that, she learned from my mistake, but I was sharing from my experience. I was sharing a part of my story, and each and every one of us have a part of our story that we're sharing, whether it's minuscule like that, this just you know, me going through three laptops in the last three months was not the highlight of my story, but it definitely helped to share some information with other people, right? But every single one of us go through experiences. We have different things that we're teaching, that we're, we're writing our story with, that we're sharing with other people around us, and we don't even realize it. And the truth is that we can have our story be written by design or by default, we can choose how to write our story. We can choose the way that we speak to people, the influence we have on people, or we can just let it happen. In James chapter four, it talks about our lives being like a vapor or a mist, here one second and gone the next. And when I think about our lives here on earth in comparison with our eternal lives, it's like a glimpse, right? It's a tiny fraction on the line. If you were to put out our, our entire eternity on a line, it's a it's a minuscule fraction of it, and yet what we do with every single moment here in our lives on earth, it has an eternal impact. And so you and I, as we write our stories, as we're sharing our influences with other people, we can actually have an impact that's going to be great or that's going to be devastating. 
And I recently read a book, it's called The Power of Moments, and it helped me to start thinking about this concept of my life, of my life story, of how I was living life by thinking in moments. Even though our life is like a vapor, it's made up of minuscule moments all along the way. And it talked about four positive defining moments. So just bear with me a second. They're kind of, they're kind of big words, but I'm going to try to explain them fast. And then if you want to know more, you can read the book. It's a really great book. But the four positive defining moments are moments of elevation. These are moments that rise above routine, like you take your family to Disney World. That's a moment of elevation, right? You have moments of pride, graduation, moments that you can feel like you really accomplished something. You have moments of connection with somebody where your relationship goes deeper. You can connect on a deeper level with somebody. And then you have moments of insight. It's like those aha moments where you realize, oh, this is what I want to do with my life, or this is where I'm going to apply to college. That's a moment of insight. It's an aha moment. And each of these moments they happen throughout life. They naturally happen, right? But you and I can actually be engineers of moments if we decide to just be a little bit intentional about it, to be strategic with how we're living life. These moments happen already, but we can actually elevate them to a higher place, right? Like Christmas, for example. Christmas comes around every single year. December 25th, in America, we celebrate Christmas. We can either just let Christmas happen, do the same routine over and over, or we can decide to break the script. We can do something exciting. Maybe we give a gift to somebody that we haven't talked to in a long time, or maybe we start a new tradition for our families. So you and I, basically, we have the choice of how we want to make our decisions, how we want to live moment by moment, and we can be intentional writers of our story instead of just allowing it to happen. And so I wanted to just take a look at some people in the Bible who decided to be intentional with their life story, who decided to commit their life to something that was actually way greater than themselves. And it's found in a passage called the Hall of Faith. So maybe some of you have heard of it. It's Hebrews 11 and 12. And I'm gonna read it. It's, oh, perfect. It's right up here on the screens too. But you can follow along. It says, now faith is the confidence of what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. Keeps going. By faith, Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. By faith, Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear built an ark to save his family. By his faith, he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness that is in keeping with faith. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place that he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. All these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. I just want to pause for a second because when I read this verse, it kind of shook me. It says they did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and they welcomed them from a distance right? So this can be a little bit discouraging for me. I read this and I'm like, wait a second. You mean I could live my whole life holding on to these promises from God, believing in, in something bigger than myself, but never actually see it happen? That, that, that kind of, I don't know, that kind of messes with me a little bit, but it, it keeps going. Thank God the verse doesn't stop there. It says, people who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. If they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have the opportunity to return. But instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. And what more shall I say? 
I do not have time to tell about Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, about David and Samuel and the prophets who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, and gained what was promised, who shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of the flames, and escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned to strength, and who became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies. Women received back their dead, raised to life again. There were others who were tortured, refusing to be released so that they might gain an even better resurrection. Some faced jeers and flogging, and even chains and imprisonment. They were put to death by stoning. They were sawed in two. They were killed by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, and mistreated. But it says here, the world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains, living in caves and holes in the ground. I love that verse there. It says, the world was not worthy of them. These were all commended for their faith, Yet none of them received what had been promised since God had planned something better for us so that only together with us would they be made perfect. So only together with who? It's only together with us. And that hit me even harder than the first that my story would actually have an impact. It would actually have a connection to the stories of all of these people that are described in the hall of faith right? We're talking about Abraham. We're talking about Moses, Noah, Samson, Gideon, people that I grew up reading their stories, learning their stories right here in this Sunday school, and that my story would be connected to theirs, that in fact, it doesn't even say that they're connected. It says only together with us, only together with us, would they be made perfect. I I, I can't help but think that you and I as we continue our stories, that we're actually standing on the backs of these people who have gone before us. There's so many people even in this that are unnamed, right? They went through crazy situations, persecution for the gospel. And and now you and I are here in this day and age for such a time as this, our lives just a little vapor in the grand scheme of it. And yet our stories are coming on the backs of their stories and are creating a legacy for the next generation to go through. Amen? And so it gives me hope. It encourages me because I I don't know about you, but sometimes I think in the everyday, in these everyday moments, we talk about, I miss so many moments that I could be engineering better moments. I could have better better moments with my son. My my son is nine years old. He's been with me since January of this year. Um, That was a huge leap of faith. I took him in as a single foster mom and knew that he needed a home. He had been living in an orphanage for about two years and he needed a real home. He was way too smart, way too bright to just be growing up in this setting. And so I took him in and um, he's been with me now for a year, but I've never been more aware of every single moment going through court, waiting to see what's going to happen. At this point, we're not sure if his birth mom is, is going to make it through rehab or not. And he's been through this so many times. He's been removed from his home three times throughout his life at the age of nine years old. And so I know for me, I, I feel convicted when I lose my patience, when I don't say the right thing, when I don't teach him the right thing. I feel like a failure in that moment. And yet, when I think about this and I think about the the stories and the lives of all these people who have gone before us, who set the road for me, their stories were messy. 
Their stories were not perfect, and yet God used them in a powerful way, in the same way that he wants to use our stories for what's to come. It keeps going. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders. I don't know, maybe because I am from Bible... children's church and I talk to kids, but I get very visual. I picture this huge group of witnesses standing around, just like, you know, in in the sky. I don't know. It's definitely not scriptural, but this is just how my brain thinks. I, I just picture all these people looking, cheering me on, watching what I'm doing here, watching what's happening in my church in Miami, watching what's happening in the church right here in Manchester, watching what's happening in our nation, watching what's happening from the Christians who are choosing to walk out in faith and cheering us on and telling us, let's go. There's more to come. There's so much more to come, and the best is really yet to come. It says, and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. I love that because it all comes back to Jesus, right? The truth is you and I have a story. It's a very, very small story. It's it's huge for this moment in time. But in the grand scheme of things, the only way that we actually unlock the power of our story is when it's in alignment with the greater story that God is actually writing. That when you and I are are off, when we're not in alignment, God's story is gonna continue. It's not that it's, it's going to fail, it's not gonna stop, he's already won the victory. But you and I, in this vapor of a moment that we have, have the opportunity to align our story with what he's already doing and in so find the greatest purpose that we could ever fulfill in our own lives, amen? I said, so I just put three things really quickly about our testimony, right? Because it's great to talk about, but when you're in the middle of it and we're in those moment by moments in this vapor of life that we have, we have an opportunity to share our testimony with other people to make sure that we're intentional with how we're writing our story. And so I just thought of these three things that help guide me in knowing how to share my testimony. The first one is get honest. Get honest, right? I put here, your story will be powerless as long as it's a lie. It says in Proverbs 12, 19, truthful lips endure forever, but a lying tongue lasts only a moment. And there's that concept of time again, right? That the truth endures forever. Lies will last only a moment. They won't have an eternal impact. So it's important for us to get honest with where we've been, with the mess, right? I mean, we look at King David. King David is considered one of the heroes in faith in the Bible. I remember hearing so many stories of King David slaying the giant, being this incredible king of Israel, and yet we have to remember his life was a mess. He also was an adulterer, he also was a murderer, but God used him, he used his story, he used his faithfulness, and he is the most famous king that Israel has ever had. I I think of that, and it, it helps me to realize my mess can actually be turned into a masterpiece as well. The second thing I put was get to the point. Have you ever heard someone share a story and there's like no climax, right? They just keep going and going and going. I don't want that to be my life story. I don't know about you, but I I don't want that. I want a point. I want deliverables. I want to point people to the right thing. And, and, And it can be simple deliverables. It can be inviting somebody with you to church. It can be taking out somebody to coffee who 
Maybe you think they're going to say no. Just ask. You never know. It's taking risks, right? But get to the point in your story, share your story, and point people to Jesus. And finally, the third one is get out of the way. And to share this, I just wanted to read. I know I've been reading a lot, but I like reading. A quote from C.S. Lewis, and it says this, your real new self, which is Christ's and also yours, and yours just because it is his, will not come as long as you are looking for it. It will come when you are looking for him. Does that sound strange? The same principle holds, you know, for more everyday matters. Even in social life, you will never make a good impression on other people until you stop thinking about what sort of impression you are making. Even in literature and art, no man who bothers about originality will ever be original. Whereas if you simply tell the truth without caring two pence about how often it's been told before, you will nine out of ten times become original without ever having noticed it. The principle runs through all life from top to bottom. Give up yourself and you will find your real self. Lose your life and you will save it. Submit to death, death of your ambitions and favorite wishes and every day and death of your whole body in the end. Submit with every fiber of your being and you will find eternal life. Keep back nothing. Nothing that you have not given away will really be yours. Nothing in you that has not died will ever be raised from the dead. Look for yourself and you will find in the long run only hatred, loneliness, despair, rage, ruin, and decay. But look for Christ and you will find him and with him everything else thrown in. C.S. Lewis knew what he was talking about, right? <laughs> so who, who do we look to? We're looking to Jesus, right? We're looking to him. It starts with salvation, but then it goes beyond that into this thing called sanctification. And what's sanctification? I was asking my dad what the spiritual formation model is for here at New River Community Church. He told me it's four E's, which is really cool. We have four E's at, at my church as well. But the first one is enjoy Jesus. The second is encourage people. The third is equip disciple makers. And the fourth is engage culture. And so this is where it starts, right? It, I said, our lives are a part of a huge plan, bigger than ourselves, but you and I have this small part to play that is broken up into moment by moment. And so it's not something big to have to look at. It's not something intimidating to have to think about, but rather you and I can just take baby steps into every single moment deciding, okay, how am I gonna do these four things? Enjoying Jesus. I wanna enjoy Jesus. I wanna know who he is. How am I gonna enjoy him if I don't know him? right? He's given us so many tools to be able to get to know him better. There's this book I recently read. It's Understanding the Bible in 30 Days. It's actually really incredible, and it has given me a whole new perspective on how to read my Bible and to obtain way more from it. But it just takes a little bit of effort, a little bit of strategy, right? Encouraging other people. It doesn't take much to honor somebody, right? It doesn't take much to look at somebody and say, I like that outfit, or to go even deeper than an external thing and say, you know what, when you did this to me, when you said this the other day, it really meant a lot to me. Thank you. That's huge. That can change, that can be a game changer. Equip disciple makers. It's, it's not enough for us to post on social media, right? We actually have to get with other people and we have to explain things to people and share our story and learn from other people and break bread together. And it really, it's modeled in the Church of Acts. That's how you and I can have the greatest impact is through disciple makers and then engage culture. That's one thing that's huge. It can be so easy for us to be around this community of people that believes the same thing we do, talks the same way, has the same moral standards, but then we're missing the whole rest of the world, 
right? Christianity is still, it, it may be the most popular religion, but I promise you the amount of people who truly know Jesus and walk with him is a very small percentage in our world. There are so many people that are desperate for more that you and I are gonna miss completely if we don't get out there into culture. We can't be afraid to go into places where we say, you know, Christians shouldn't be there. Jesus went there all the time. So I think that you and I can go there too. Amen. Amen. And so I'm just gonna pray for us. Um, I know that we're running out of time and so I wanna make sure that we respect that but I just wanna encourage you guys because all of this and, and what I've been learning through this and through my experience with my foster son and just, it's been little acts of obedience. It's been tiny moments where I've had an opportunity to say yes and I promise you, I don't regret a single one of them. It's been a crazy year, 2019. I started off as a nurse with uh, another roommate, two girls and I with tons of freedom. Now I'm a single mom with a nine-year-old boy going to court every month, um, fighting for him. And I just started this job at a church in August. And it's just a lot of things going on. But I wouldn't change a moment of it. And I wouldn't change a single yes that I decided to say to God. Even standing up here and preaching today, this was something I had to say yes to. I was not thinking that I would be here today, I, I promise you. But I told God I would do anything for him. I don't wanna waste a moment of my life. And even though I've made a ton of mistakes, I've wasted a lot of moments in the past, I wanna be intentional about the ones that are to come. And I wanna make sure that I'm using every single one in the way that he would have me use it. I, I may not see the full picture. I may not see the full promise fulfilled. I'm not gonna see the fruit of everything that I do, everything that I say yes to. But I'm gonna trust that if I just obey him, he's gonna do way more than I could possibly imagine. And so I just want us to pray because I believe there's some people here today that going into 2020, you're going to say to God, I want to say yes more. I, I want to do whatever it is that you've called me to do right where we're at. We can be planted right where we're at. Doesn't mean you have to move to another place to do the will of God. He's got so many opportunities right in front of you and it's just a tiny baby step. So let's pray together and let's just surrender our hearts that he would do what only he could do through us. Lord God, we thank you so, so much to be called your children. I thank you for every single person here. I thank you, God that you have a purpose and a plan for each one of us that's so much bigger than we could even imagine for ourselves. God, we want to be people after your own heart. We want to see your kingdom come here on earth as it is in heaven, and we want to be used by you. And so God, whether that's in a way that we know what it looks like or not, we just say that we're surrendered. We open up our hearts to you. I pray that as we step into 2020, that we would be a people of boldness, that we would be a people of faith, God, that we would be a people that would say that we're following you into the night. Whether we see the full picture or not, we're gonna choose to put our full trust in you as our Father and to take every single moment and turn it into something that's pleasing to you, that's glorifying to you, that's going deeper in connection with you and with the people around us. We love you, Jesus. We worship you with all that we are and with all that we've got. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thanks for listening today. If you'd like more encouragement or information about New River Church, check us out at newriverchurch.org.